You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we're joined by returning guest Brett Conan to talk about arrow rests, releases, and bow sights, uh, specifically on compound bows. Uh, this is just a good old-fashioned BS session. Um, I don't. I was tinkering around with my bow the other day, and I was, you know, tightening some screws on my rest. I was looking at the kind, the different adjustments on my sight, and I was uh, taking a look at my release. And I was like, hell, let's just do a quick podcast. I don't got, got anything better to talk about. So uh, this is a good old-fashioned BS session. How I picked my. Uh, bow accessories, what led to that decision making, as well as, um, you know, the evolution, uh, you know, from the whisker biscuit or from the initial products that we use to the products that we use today. Uh, So hopefully you guys enjoy uh, this episode. I'm going to keep the intro pretty short here. Uh, If you're looking for a saddle, go check out Tethered. Tethered has a, a huge lineup of saddle hunting accessories, saddles, climbing sticks, platforms, Uh, So if you want to become a saddle hunter or you want want to learn how to become a better saddle hunter, go check out Tethered. If you're looking to become a better hunter, you need to have your mind in the game, uh, in the mindset uh, of hunting more times throughout the year. So I'm a huge fan of HuntStand and uh, getting on that app and um, really just scrubbing or, or just going over hypothetical access routes, looking where my tree stands are, um, looking at where timber meets ag or finding food sources and really just journaling and documenting uh, everything that I find while I'm in the woods. Um, Huntstand.com, go check it out, read up on the all the functionality that that, that app has to offer. And then on top of that, uh, go read up on their pro whitetail platform as well. And... <coughs> Last but not least, we have Tacticam. If you're looking to document your hunts, there's no better 
no better action camera than Tacticam. Uh, it can attach to your bow. It can attach to your gun. Uh, it has four. The new 6.0 has 4K recording, image stabilization, and an LCD screen. Uh, and really, what that does is it makes for some kick-ass footage that you can take back and show your kids, your wife, or your buddies about what you saw in the woods that day. So, and it also it also helps with shot placement. So. Those are the brands that help support this podcast. Please go out and support them. And uh, if you are looking to give back to conservation in 2023, please go check out 2% for Conservation at fishandwildlife.org. So that's the, it's, uh, the website is fishandwildlife.org. Go check it out and get 2% for Conservation certified. Now let's get into today's episode. Three two, one. All right. On the hunting gear podcast with me today, Mr. Brett Conan, Brett, what's up, man? Not a whole lot, man. How are you today? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Uh, so the last three or four days here in Iowa, it, it, it has been like in the oh, low fifties, mid forties, somewhere right around there. And today we're expected to get like seven inches of snow. That doesn't sound like any fun to me. <laughs> where where are you from again? Remind me where you're from. Kansas. Kansas. Central Kansas. Hey dude. I'm gonna try to pull a I'm gonna try to pull a Kansas tag this year. I hope you do. Yeah. I hope you do. Yeah. I'm uh that's one state outside of Iowa that I could see myself tr- you know, trying to hunt as much as like the points would allow me to. I, I think that's gonna be a good place for me to go. It's it's the land of giants besides Iowa. Yeah, so. sure. Okay. Um, I had a buddy today reach out to me and just kind of on a random question, he asked me, have you seen the new Expedition Archery bow? It's $2,000 for for the bow. Yeah, that's that's no joke. Based off of... Based off of just that number, two thousand dollars, do you think that's? Do you think, a, like, what would a bow have to do for you, for you to justify spending two thousand dollars on it? Man, I don't even know because I think I'm right. Just, just a little over two thousand on my full setup, and I, I thought I went all in on that. So, two grand for just the bow. I have no idea what <laughs> I, I would have to shoot it first to say, you know, if it's that much better than in any of the other bows that I've held or shot. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I don't know. It's a bit, it's a bit ridiculous. So I don't really know. Like, I, I read up on some of the, you know, on, on some of the specs and, and so from a, from the standpoint of, just the specs alone on paper, it really doesn't look like anything different than what's already out there. The only other thing is it's, it's, they're using a material that is not necessarily, it's lighter than aluminum, but stronger. They, they say that it's just as strong as carbon, but not as light as the carbon. And so I think that's where they're justifying that price on that new material, but still man, 2k, I just, I, I don't know who their demographic is. Yeah, especially since they're not a huge name brand. You know what I mean? Right, right. Because uh, if it's not any lighter and it, the specs aren't 
just blowing you away, I would personally rather spend spend a little less and get the same boat. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, like what? Let me ask you. Let me ask you this: What would it take specifically? Like, if you pick that bow up, what would have to happen in order for you to go, man? I am. I'm going to spend the two thousand dollars on this bare bow, and I'm gonna. I'm gonna get it. I would have to shoot it, and it would just have to be completely dead in my hands yeah. and a ringer. Yeah, yeah. I think that's. I think that's the exact same thing uh, for me, man. I, I would have the the draw cycle would have to yeah. feel like butter. Um, holding it would have to feel like I don't know, just very comfortable at full draw. And then when I when I let the bow off, it would have to just have zero vibration, and. Yeah and just throw an arrow like you know like i don't know did you ever play baseball when oh, yeah. when you were younger or or in high school or anything like that yep yep and so you would hear you would hear someone say oh dude he can throw fast versus he can throw hard and mm-hmm. it meant two completely different things and so i i would feel i feel like this bow would have to throw a arrow extremely hard in order to in order for me to justify that yeah it would have to just pump punch real hard yeah 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 and so i'm gonna probably have to have the guys from uh expedition on here and talk about that in the future but um today i kind of want to talk about three uh three specific products that are um that are on all of our bows or well two are on our bow one's on our in our hand and that is those are releases those are sights and and arrow rests and i kind of want to touch base and i kind of want to just have a bs session about those and so my first question i want to throw your way and let's let's start with arrow rests uh first how do you how do you pick your arrow rest Man, I've been shooting the same one for like eight years now, so I don't even re- I really remember yeah. how I got it. But uh, I'm shooting the QAD HDX. Okay. And it has not failed me one time or made me even question it, so I've just kept using it. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, and and what do you like specifically about that that rest? So I, the thing I like most about it is one, my fletchings or my arrow don't get hit, don't hit it at all. Right. When I shoot. And then two, I can be, you know, I can carry my bow if I'm stalking in on something, dang near upside down and my arrow is not going to fall off or make any noise. Right. I don't have to worry about it when it's time to come to full draw you don't, you don't have to think about your, your rest. It's just right there, ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. I've had, I've had one where it would bounce around and, and, uh, walk in there tight and it would make noise when you, you would draw if you weren't smooth on it and just wasn't the greatest. So this QAD is, is what I'm going to keep shooting anyways. Yeah. And how long have you been shooting that rest? I think like eight years. Same rest, or have you have you got the, have you went and got another one of them? I got another one when I got my new bow, so this would be the third year with it, third or fourth year. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, um, 
I'm, I'm in the same boat as you when it comes to aero rest, man, for, I want to say 12 years or something like that. The very first rest that I ever got was a, a code red, um, by ripcord aero rest. And dude, I absolutely loved that rest. I mean, like same, same rest on my bow. When I got a new bow that, that rest came with me. Um, and then they came out with a new one, like I think it was like the mini or something like that, or the micro, and it had some it's, it had some minor like uh, some micro adjustments that you could make to mm-hmm. really you know to really tune it, and so I really fell in love with that with that brand and that uh, that rest, and then the company sold, and I just was like, well, it, it sold to one of those bigger type companies mm-hmm. uh, that buys up all the you know yeah there's like five of them now that are all starting to buy up the all the uh individual companies within the hunting industry and so i was like well let me let me check one a different brand out and i landed on so the the ripcord that i used in the past was a string driven system okay i could i popped it up i set my arrow on i would draw back and that full draw um, the string would engage. And then when I would squeeze, it would, you know, it would, the rest would drop. And so if I let down though, the rest would stay up, which was, which was kind of, which was kind of cool. But I went to a vapor trail now and it was a limb driven system. And so the limb driven system, they say that, on because there's so much play i mean have you ever have you ever seen a slow motion of the cables as they as they come up or as as you release your bow and the cables are all loose and the the rest comes down and then it could pop it could potentially pop back up and and Uh and and so i went with a limb driven system because i read number one i read uh, a lot of articles or, you know, about limb driven versus, um, cable driven. And then I talked with like some professional shooters who yeah. say that their rest of choice is limb driven because the limbs don't bounce when they go, when they, when the boat, when you release, they go back to their starting position and they don't bounce back. And so that forces the rest to stay down. Yeah. And so I was just, uh, and I, I said to myself, okay, I, I, I like that. I like that concept. And, uh, I, I didn't want to leave, uh, mm. I didn't want to leave ripcord because I've had such, I mean, I beat the shit out of that equipment. It's what you do when you're out and about, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got sand on it. I got mud on it. it you know, it would, it would get wet, then it would freeze and then it would thaw. And so every year, man, it just, it kept performing, kept performing. Um, is that QAD that you use, is that a cable system, cable driven or limb driven? It's cable driven, but yeah. you've got me really intrigued with this limb driven refs though. Yeah. I'm going to look, I'm gonna have to look into this. Yeah. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that are, uh, um, that are kind of moving towards that limb driven system just for that reason. Um, the only, th- the th- I say there's, there's positives and negatives on both of them. And so I would say that the positives 
the positive for uh, a cable system is that there's not necessarily this additional long string on the side of the cable that connects to your limb that's out there uh, Mm -hmm. getting caught in weeds or if you're having to crawl through the prairie and doing some spot and stock stuff versus a cable driven system there's still a string it's not as long and it goes right to your cable and so i i i feel like i feel that would be the only real negative with a limb driven system outside of that um i just like i don't i can't quantify it but i just felt like when i went to this limb driven system i got i got more accurate okay so and it was it was a confidence thing for me so that's what's on my bow right now that's what it's all about right there is that confidence yep. in your equipment. Yep, for sure, for sure. Um, let me ask you a question. I I, I, talk with a, I talked with a guy, um, and he is anti-moving parts on archery equipment. And he, sh- he, shoots, a, um, he shoots a whisker biscuit. And his thought process behind that is the more moving parts, the more... Uh, possibility for inaccuracies because you know if if you bump it it could be off and then that moving part is off and things like that um have you ever shot a whisker biscuit before man when i when i first got into archery yeah uh 15 years ago Mm -hmm. and uh to me there's a lot of drag with that whisker biscuit but i mean i guess if you're shooting whisker biscuit great you know, you don't have to worry about that. But, right. Um, to me, if I'm going to go back to a whisker biscuit, I might as well just shoot traditional. Right. Instead right. of whisker biscuit. That's just me. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like the, the thing about, you know, like obviously with a drop away rest, whether it's limb driven or uh, limb driven or um, uh, cable driven, the, the mm. whole idea is for the, the launch pad to drop and the arm to drop and the arrow to have no contact leading up to, you know, leading out of the bow. Right. And so I instantly think about a rifle. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you were to cut off, if you were to cut off the barrel of a rifle, it would be way less accurate than if you kept that, that, on because the bullet travels down the barrel for X amount of inches or whatever it is um, until it exits, thus causing a straighter line. And so from a whisker biscuit standpoint, I can see how the arrow stays in that hole and in that area for a longer period of time. Yeah, there might be some drag to it, but from an accuracy standpoint, it makes more sense for me than a uh, a drop away rest and I know it happens so fast but still there there's the potential for inaccuracies in that I don't know like what do you think about that so to me if you're going to look at that then you would look at all the archers the the best archers in the world are they shooting a whisker biscuit right, right. I mean that that's just my thought process behind that it's like I don't see anybody going to competition and shooting a whisker biscuit um i i I can see where your your thought process comes from too that you know you're staring down the barrel pretty much Mm -hmm. um but then after 
after your arrow leaves that that rest you can't control it anyway so right right yeah i don't know uh, and by the way just uh so people know i'm not an engineer and i don't know shit about archery equipment so (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was way above me so right right um Okay, so any other uh, positive or negative experiences? I mean, this was kind of a moot point uh, discussing this because both of us had have had this pretty much the same rests on our bows for and on the same like however many years. Mm-hmm. Any other any other positives or negatives? Uh no, not really. Yeah, just find what works for you and and go with it if you're the type that wants to try something new every every other year or whatever then i don't hold anything against you but once i find something that that uh i know works i just usually stick with it gotcha do you paper tune at all i haven't in in a couple years i did when i first got my bow yeah but i probably need to check and make sure everything's still still good to go because i haven't really tuned or anything for the last two years it's just been pull it out shoot it all summer long and everything's good to go so i just keep keep on the same trail you know yep absolutely and i'll tell you this uh in the past i would put my rest on my bow i would have the uh a bow tech at some shop connect the string for me and then you know and then i would just i would shoot i would never tune I would never usually tune my rest, just maybe my, my, my knock point or, and and my, my sights. But I will tell you this, that not last year, but the year before I ended up going to a bow shop. We paper tuned, we, um, made all the proper adjustments on the, on the release. We found, you know, my, the, the best knock point for my D loop and, and we also did cam timings. And so have you ever noticed how there, some guys have their bows, they just sound like, right. And it's just real quiet and real efficient. My, my bow started to sound like that. So I would highly recommend taking your bow. If you're not already doing this, taking your bow into a professional, having them time the cams, having them, uh, you know, paper tune your bow and dude, I'm telling you just the sound difference and the, the, the hand shock that went away after I I tuned my bow, it was, it was night and day with an already, in my opinion, good shooting bow. Yeah. And I did that when I first had it all set up. Yeah. Uh, I probably should take it in because it's been a few years of just getting beat up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and making sure that everything is still in tune and and good. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see here. Let's let's move to uh, sights real quick. Um, what kind of sight do you have on your bow right now? So right now I've got the HHA um, Optimizer Tetra, mm-hmm. the single pin. Okay. And do you? Um, what kind of what kind of hunting do you do throughout the year? Is it tree stand hunting? Is it spot and stock hunting? Both. Both. Okay. Yeah. And so, to, talk to me about why you made the decision to go single pin. So, 
for me, it was I used to shoot multiple pins and trying to guess gaps in my in there and just the inconsistency of in the heat of the moment. Sometimes right. those pins start to blur if you're not just completely focused in, which, you know, you got a huge buck in front of you. Sometimes things happen. And uh, going to the single pin just made me really be able to focus on that. Yeah. And I, I don't know about you, but I shoot both eyes open. Oh, okay. No, I don't do that. And that that has helped me with shooting both eyes open on just having to focus on that single pin. Okay. And so uh, was it kind of like a night and day dare? I mean, did you always shoot a single pin? Have you always shot a single pin or did you have like the regular five pin sights when you first started? Yeah, I had the regular four or five pin sight when I first started. Okay. All right. And so then, um, what made, what made you then go to, you know, switch from that to the, the single pin? Uh, I spined a few deer. Yeah. And you know, I mean, they don't go anywhere, but at the same time you're, you're sitting there thinking, you know, you need to make a better shot. Okay. And then I went on a hog hunt and completely whipped on one. It just, over time, you just kind of graduate to the next thing. And to me, that was going to a single pin where I could just focus on one thing. Yeah. In your, in your opinion, what are the positives and negatives of uh, a single pin versus a, a, a multi-pin system? So the positive for me is that, yeah, you only have to focus on that one thing, but the negative would be in a quick shot scenario where you don't have time to range, um, then I could see the, the multi-pin being more beneficial. Yeah. I've only had, you know, one opportunity where I didn't necessarily get the shot off in time or when I needed to. Yeah. Uh, but any other time with, you know, mainly whitetail hunting with my bow, it typically I've got plenty of time to range and, and set my pin to where I want it. Okay. And so the, then the question that I have for you is, have you ever lost a deer because you've had to adjust a range on your, on your bow while you, while the deer is coming through? One time I had him come through too fast, but then I think it was like 14, 15 days later, I ended up killing him anyway. So so you'll put that in the so you'll put that in the back pocket and say, well, I got him anyway. But you yep. know, okay, yep, I got gotcha. you. Um, so here's here. I'm first off. I'm gonna I'll, I'll give some experience with from for myself with the sites that I've used in the past. My I had a originally I had kind of just like this individual pins where you would have to go in and set 20, 30, 40, 50. Uh, yep. I think it was a five, it was a five, four or five pin site. Uh, then I went to a single pin site and I thought that was awesome. Uh, I, it was for my first, you know, f- uh, first out of state hunts back in 2014, mm-hmm. I went to a single pin and then I held that single pin for a handful of years until I, uh, l- like had a deer come through 
who was following a doe, the doe was not walking in a straight line. So therefore the buck was going close and then far and then close and then far. And so I had to continuously move my, my pins or my, my pin. And so some guys will say, well, there's an answer to that problem and there's a hybrid option available. So you have your, your 20 and your 30 are permanently set, but then from 40 and on is the, the single pin. I loved it. I loved a single pin when I was out West because most of the time I had an opportunity to range the animal several times before I would take a shot. And so after the single pin is when I started messing around with the uh, trophy Ridge react sites. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and so for me, dude, that's just, that technology is just a no brainer, right? You sighted yep. your 20, you sight in your 30 and then the rest of the, the rest of the pins, whether it's a four pin site or a, uh, a five pin site, they're all automatically done for you. And so I've just, I feel confident and comfortable in, in that. And I, I continue to go back to, I think right now I have the react H five on my, okay. on my bow right now. And they have seven, you know, they have uh, react sevens and then they have, uh, I think that's as high as they go, but the react seven, the react, uh, H five and, uh, and then the react H four, uh, is there a three? V five. No. Okay. I'm looking at their website right now. Anyway, I've had that bow that, that react H five on my bow for a while now. And for the style of hunting that I'm doing, I, I feel comfortable gap shooting in between Mm -hmm. at at like a 45. I feel like I'm, I'm okay at that. But, um, but that, I don't know. That's why I went away from a, a single pin site is because I feel more I feel more comfortable with a multi-pin site in a Western environment than I do with a single pin site in an, in a tree stand environment. Does that make sense? Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, do you, do you ever find that it gets clustered? Uh, and that's exactly what I was going to, that's exactly what I was going to say from a, the standpoint of what do they call that? Uh, there's a, a term they they use like where the pins all seem too close together. Mm-hmm. What's that called? Uh, Off the top of my head, I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, some someone will let us know. But oh, yeah. but anyway, um, so the the pins get too close together, um, or and, and so uh, when you're going to draw back, it's just hard to see the animal behind all the pins. Mm-hmm. And and that would be the the big negative for for that type of for that type of site. Now I really haven't had any issues other than maybe at really low light, or you know the last five mm-hmm. five to ten minutes of legal shooting light, where uh, the pin glow is a little bit too much still. And then the yep. the backdrop is is really is really uh, clouded out. So uh, whatever that term is, that's the only negative f- for that. I do not like it, but I still weigh that less than having to adjust. You know, when a once in a lifetime deer comes by, 
uh, and you're you're sitting there trying to okay he's at 30 now and then you've got to try to range okay now he's at 40 okay well now he's at 35 and, and going back and forth i just have nightmares about that scenario for sure and there's no perfect situation no. for it every situation you know but um i'm glad that they have both options for sure yeah absolutely uh have you ever messed around with that react stuff at all i used to have the react one and i loved it i just kind of made the switch to the hha and yeah kind of that was the end of that yeah i haven't shot the react five or any of those to see i had the hha kingpin that's the one that i had okay yeah. yeah and so with with the react five that i have the react h5 that one i mean i'm not saying shooting perfect but in a matter of 10 minutes 15 minutes you can have your bow sighted in at and from what i would say okay sighting mm-hmm. in with that react system how long did it take for you to get your single pin set up honestly this one was the easiest i've done it was probably three to four arrows at 20 yards and then i moved back to 60 and was pretty well spot on within a few arrows now is that going to happen every time absolutely not but for whatever reason it was dialed into my bow extremely easy gotcha gotcha and so i mean again it sounds like just a a matter of you know 15 minutes ish would you say yeah You you had it sighted in uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so the, the cool thing about all this technology is everything for the hunter, even on, you know, and I'm not talking about the digital type stuff, but everything from a setup standpoint seems to be getting easier uh, than what it was, you know, 15 years ago. Yes, very much so. The technology is unreal. Yeah. Um, okay. So anything else you want to mention about rests? that uh, you've had uh, good experiences or bad experiences with? No, but I was going to ask you, what do you think about the digital sites? <sighs> yeah, man, I just can't trust them. First, I don't know why. I just can't trust them. Number one, uh, they're illegal in Iowa, right? So I can't, I can't, oh. I can't use a rangefinder. Uh, my rests or my sites cannot have battery-powered equipment on them in Iowa. All right. So, yep. So I can't have a I can't have a rangefinder attached to my bow. I can have a rangefinder in my hand or in my pocket, but it can't be attached to my bow. And so I just again it comes down to what are you trying to focus on when you are pulling back on the deer. And I did mess around with one of those Garmin sites uh, yeah. at a at a shop once. And I just couldn't get the thing to match what my rangefinder was saying, mm. right? So if my rangefinder would say forty, it was telling me a different number, and so I couldn't I couldn't get it to match, and so that left me skeptical. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, if I'm if I have something that's skeptical on my on you know, and I'm using it, it's not yeah. going to give me the confidence that I want, and so I just. Number one, I can't use them. And number two, I don't think I ever would just because, again, of of those inconsistencies. Yeah. I mean, they look fun and all, but to me, I I like the old school approach about it. Yeah. Now, am I going to go trad? Probably not. (laughs) But (laughs) 
but I, I think that's just too much. Yeah. <clears throat> so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, let's see here. We've talked about, we've talked to, you know, briefly about rests and sites. Let's talk a little bit about releases. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, depending on who you talk to, some guys say that the release is the most important piece of archery equipment you like you you have. So if you're going to spend your money on something, you should spend your money on a really really good release. What do you think about that? It makes sense. Um, I I had never thought about it that way, but I did switch a couple years, three years ago to the thumb release. Yep. And I don't think I could ever go back. Yeah. What is it about the thumb release you like so much? That it's, I quit punching the trigger. Okay. You know, pulling back and just really going through my motion of squeezing my hand instead of, then then it, you don't know when it's going off. Right. Get Gets rid of that t- target panic. And I, I found myself not punching the trigger anymore. Gotcha. Gotcha. And did you ever dabble with a, um, a back tension release at all? I did a little bit. Um, I ended up scaring the crap out of myself more than anything yeah. and having bad shots. Yeah. And so I'm not saying I won't go to that eventually again, but, um, it'd be something that I would have to just really focus in in the spring and summer. Yeah. I'll tell you this, man. Uh, I might be the only person I know to have ever gotten stitches because of a back tension release. How'd that happen? Well, when I was testing it out at the shop, the, the uh, you know, you're not, I don't know if I was necessarily, I just probably wasn't used to it. And I was trying to pull back and I pulled it right out of my hands. I was, you know, I was trying to be relaxed. And yeah. so the bow went off with the release still attached to the D loop. And oh. then it bounced back and smashed me in my cheek. And so I had to go get two stitches in my, uh, the scar's not there really anymore, but I had to yeah. go get two stitches in my, in my cheek for that. <laughs> and so, and then I got made fun of by just about everybody in the store until, I don't know, it, it was, uh, it was, it was funny, but, uh, I don't use back tension re- releases anymore. I'm a, I'm old school, man. Like, I've I've been shooting the same true ball release for five or six years, yeah, maybe. And then before that was a different one. And the only reason that uh, I got rid of that one is because the stitching started to come out. It was so old and weathered. Yeah. And I, I want to mean, I bet you I had it for like 10 years. And so this other one I've had for maybe four or five years. And so I don't know. I just feel really... I just feel really confident and comfortable in, in the wrist strap trigger, trigger release. And I used to punch it a lot, but I don't as much anymore. So one of the things with the wrist strap and having a hook in every time, if you're trying to range Mm -hmm. and then hook into your D loop, I mean, that's, that was one thing that I noticed on myself was it was taking too much time yeah. with this stuff. At least I just hook it on my bow and leave it hanging there. And then when the time comes, I can range and just grab my and go. 
my dumbass would lose it. I'm not joking, man. I, I would, I would lose that in the woods or in my truck or along the, along the way somewhere. And I'd be like, where is my release and with a wrist strap? Unless I lose my arm, I have that sucker. I have that sucker with me. Yeah, that's true. What, what, and what brand of thumb release do you use? I've got a true fire. Okay. Uh, and I, I love it. Right. As of right now. Yeah. It, what kind, is it a hinge release or is it a, one of those clasp uh, releases? It's a clasp. Clasp. No. Yeah. 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 Do you have any, have you ever used a, a hinge release versus a clasp release? I have not. No. Just for the simple fact of I'm scared that it would fall off. <laughs> and then I'd be, yeah. Hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, I've had a couple uh, releases in my day. One, I, I messed around with a hinge release. I didn't necessarily think it was any better or worse than, I guess you would call it, is, is that the term? Like a, a clasp? versus a hinge is it a caliper caliper yeah caliper style okay so i i I guess i didn't notice any addition like any accuracy differences in the two releases um so whenever that guy says hey man it's one of the most important things that you you need to you know think about i i can't see that you know what i mean i I would think that if i'm going to put money anywhere i would put it in my rest or my sight over my release. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not that good of a shooter anyway. So it's uh, if it can kill a deer, whatever animal I'm wanting to shoot at, then it's good enough for me, I guess. Yeah. I'm not a target shooter. Yeah. Do you think, do you think a lot of people overthink their, their hunting gear purchases? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Even I do. Yeah. But, why, why is that? Because you see everybody and their dog promoting something else and you want the latest and greatest, the best thing. And everybody that shoots that says it's the best thing ever. Yeah. And so you just kind of get in your head that, man, maybe I need to switch to something else. I, I'm just as guilty as anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've been doing that a lot less lately uh, with my archery equipment, like my bows, my sights, my rests, um, and my releases, I usually don't bounce around as much. Now I used to with my bows, but the accessories would make the transfer to the new bow. Like I wasn't buying any, you know, anything really new outside of that, like boots and, and stuff, uh, you know, like other, other hunting uh, gear. I really, I mean, I I use it. I use it a lot. I don't, I don't change every year other than uh, for a while there, not necessarily camo, but clothing is one thing that I always, I am always refining to try to find the most comfortable of pants versus, you know, the, the most durable pants, you know, depending on what environment that I'm in. And so I always like to have a different, um, a different clothing option for, Hey, am I out West and I'm spot stalking or am I in a tree stand and it's cold or am I, you know, turkey hunting or whatever the case may be. I always like to have a variety of different clothes, you know, of clothing to choose from to make myself the most comfortable. Cause, cause you, you can be uncomfortable initially with a new site rest or release, but with practice, you can still teach yourself how to use those products and become accurate. I feel. 
Oh, yeah. This thumb release, I can tell you right now, I was not accurate at all when I first started shooting. I was punching the trigger way too early or, you know, on my draw cycle, and it would go off. So, yeah, I can understand that. It, it definitely takes practice, but with your camo, it's you're comfortable or not, one, one or the other. Yeah. You're too hot, you're too cold or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, how? What was the learning curve like for switching from – a trigger to a, a thumb it probably took me honestly a month okay uh business shooting you know at least four or five times a week okay to, to feel like i was 100 percent comfortable um it it took a while on the bow shop to even get it to where i was remotely accurate with it just yeah. beyond 10 15 years with one release and then you switch, there's definitely that learning curve. Yeah. Well, good, man. Well, hey, I didn't want to take up too much of your time today. We This was more of more or less a BS session about some of the, the, the rests, releases, and, and uh, sites that we've used in the past. Um, I, I, I've shot a ton of them. I, I kind of just keep going back to whatever I feel is comfortable at the time. I know that a lot of the equipment today, as far as you know, the compound bow accessories, just keeps getting easier and easier and easier. Um, but I will say that just like that $2,000 bow that we talked about at the beginning, some of these accessories, like if you were to go with like the best bow, like the like most expensive bow, the most expensive sight, the most expensive rest, man, you're looking at more like that uh, $3,500 uh, frame and that's with even without arrows yeah so that it, it, it is getting more expensive um, the technology is getting more and more refined but you know it, you can shoot a $500 bow just as good as you can shoot a $2,000 bow in my opinion but uh, whatever's comfortable for you is where it's at if I feel comfortable with something then I'm going to spend the money absolutely absolutely well, Brett, man, I really appreciate you doing this last minute. I know that I had a guy uh, that was supposed to come on. He bailed on me, so I went to social media like I often do, and I said, hey, who wants to talk? You ju- you were the first one to reply, so so uh, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, anytime, Dan. Appreciate it. And always enjoy talking to you.